Hello, you're listening to Rosie and Jessica's Day of Fun, episode 63, Bouncy Castles and Bin Shoes. Enjoy the show. I'm Rosie. I'm Jessica. And you're listening to Rosie Rosie and and Jessica's Day of Fun. Fun. I'm still always impressed when we get that out in one take, although you will note I never look at the camera while we do that. (laughs) I had not noticed that, but now I'm going to stare really alarmingly into the camera every time we do it. I look off into the distance like Zach Braff and Scrubs. Hello, Jessica. Hello, Rosie. You forgot. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I was all primed. I thought it was going to be late. They don't know that. I remembered when I woke up this morning and then I went back to sleep again. Were you asleep when I sent you a text saying, I assume you're asleep? I wasn't. I'd been up for a while. I was having my breakfast. Because I was trying to ice a cake so ugly that every time I looked at it, I started laughing. <laughs> what What made it ugly? I was making another chocolate courgette cake. Oh, yeah. success. Yep. It took a very long time to bake. I was using a different oven, and I think it took a bit longer. But I'd done my test on the putting a, a knife in and it coming out clean. Yep. And I'd taken it out. This was last night. And then I'd waited 15 minutes or so to turn it out. And as it turned out, it just was really falling apart. And I realised, I don't think it's actually done properly. So I turned the oven back on and put it back in for another 10 minutes. And then it still didn't seem done properly. So I put it in for another 8 or so. So it, it says it cooks in 40 to 50 minutes. I reckon it had been in the oven for a total of about an hour and a half at this point. Uh... And then I did turn it out. One of them, I'd already turned out. It had fallen apart. So I sort of smushed it back into the tin to put back in the <laughs> oven. And it was just falling everywhere. I mean, I probably ate the equivalent of a slice of cake from the inside. as It was kind of crumbling everywhere. And I was just finding bits and sort of... I couldn't even get it out of the tin sort of to piece together as you sometimes did. So it was just sort of smushed roughly into a circular shape. And then I put a tea towel over it because it needed to cool down. And I came down this morning and moved the tea towel. And it was just this horrible... <laughs> that you could see at the bottom of each layer that it was a round head to come out. But the top, it looked like I had done something to try and make it look like an island setting. It just was messy, messy, messy. I tried to build it as quite low expectations for the person I was feeding it to. I was like, hey, I've made a cake. It tastes great, but it looks awful. It's structurally unsound. And then I said, also, I'm terrible at making coffee. So sort yourself out. Give very, very low <laughs> expectations. And no one will be disappointed. No, and then, uh, in fact, you like the cake so much, I gave him a piece to take home, which actually says more about the fact that I do not want to have to eat a whole cake by myself again. <laughs> much as it was nice, sometimes there is too much of a good thing. Yeah, the trick to life is just sort of bumble through it, thinking everything's going to be awful, and then it will probably turn out, you know, fine. Yeah. Fine. Well, as we said in the last show, we were going home for a birthday party, and Jessica was making bunting. I made bunting. And I was going to wear my cardigan. Bunting happened. Yeah. It was awesome. It was lovely. There was far too much cake, a recurring theme. (laughs) So I had to take some home. But then my friend Luke came, so he had lots of cake and I had lots of cake too. Yes, we went home for our mum's birthday party, got dressed up and watched a lot of Once Upon a Time. Yeah, we did. But Jessica is in season two and I'm in season three and our parents kept coming in intermittently and it got very confusing for everyone involved. (laughs) Yeah, we did watch a lot of Once Upon a Time. I'm really enjoying it. Oh, it's great. And I was going to watch it on Monday, but my Wi-Fi went down all day. I had no internet. Unacceptable. Yeah. It's just not good enough. It's not. And you think, hey, but I mean, everybody lived like that in the past. But this isn't the past. This is now. It's my route into the world for somebody who has spent a lot of time in the house. And also, I really wanted to know what was happening in Once Upon a Time. Have you been up to anything apart from watching Once Upon a Time? Well, I went to a wedding, which was very nice after our mum's birthday. It was a busy weekend. 
It was a busy weekend. Busy weekend, but it's lovely. And then I came back and uh, we went to Pizza Express and we went to uh, Nest to look at wool. Oh, yes. Well, we can cover our wool shop reviews in Needle and Fed. Yes, we can. You also, I believe, have been on a bouncy castle. Oh, yeah. I went to a friend's housewarming on Monday and uh, there was a bouncy castle. The weather was pretty awful, but that didn't stop us. That just makes it, you know, oh, Alton Towers, that's a theme park. Thorpe Park, that's a water theme park. It's just an additional part of the fun. It's an extra layer. Um, And you know what happens to bouncy castles when they get wet? They get slippery. Oh, boy. I was going to ask, do they dissolve? Ah... No, that would be stupid. Yeah, they just dissolve in the rain like a giant broker. <laughs> you know what happens when a toad gets struck by lightning? <laughs> Same thing that happens to everything else. X-Men 1 is an up and down film. <laughs> yeah. I also have just been on a trip to Edinburgh. How was that? To see... Uh, yeah, it was good. So it was alright. I was staying with friends of the show, Sad Faces, and their show is very good. I went to see... It's called Sad Faces, present the Dawn Chorus... It's on at the underbelly at 4.40. Now, I have something to show you. The premise of the Sad Faces show, Sad Faces Present the Dawn Chorus, is that it is an adaptation of a great literary historical novel. And when you're in the queue, you receive a Wikipedia article for the Dawn Chorus novel. Amazing. It's incredible. Of course, this novel does not exist. And there are references. What's this? Number three reference... Because the show is called The Dawn Chorus. Number three, Rosie and Jessica's Dawn of Fun, brackets, podcast. Oh my god, that's amazing! It's a really well done fake Wikipedia article. And all of the references are references to people they know and things that they've done. Um, and so I'm in there as a friend. Uh, our friend Rachel's in. Uh, the various wives of Sad Faces are in. I've taken a picture, which I meant to tweet from the account. But yeah, this was my first afternoon in the, at Edinburgh. And we were in the queue and got handed these things. And I started cracking up at my little <laughs> name in lights. I saw that and I saw... Uh, a show by my friend Bridie and that's Bridie Lee Kennedy Loves You Too and hers is really cool it's kind of stand up storytelling show and it was very funny but also very poignant especially at one point she plays Joni Mitchell's River which is a very sad song about Christmas yeah <laughs> obviously sung by Robert Downey Jr obviously yeah with a flashing nose on in I Am McBeal yep. he ruined her life so the Sad Faces show is set during World War One, and the night after I saw it I had a very troubling dream where there was a World War One themed Timmy Time film. And at the end, Timmy, my favourite lamb, my favourite megalomaniac lamb, blew himself up. <laughs> and I had to be escorted from the cinema in absolute floods of tears. And it was so harrowing. I know I saw the uh, the Sad Faces tweet uh, on the subject and it was basically describing exactly what you've, what you've just said. Why would they send that little sheep to war? Uh, I didn't do very much at Fringe because I kept accidentally being on television. <laughs> yeah. Rosie, would you like to elaborate <laughs> on some of the I'm going to disguise them as hijinks you have got up to in the past few weeks? Yeah. So I have done a few bits of freelance journalism and that's been fine. That's just been bumbling along. I was asked if I would come on Five Live, the BBC radio channel, for a very quick interview about the Labour leadership contest. This was in response to an, an article you'd written, right? Yes. And I thought, okay, this is terrifying. Oh, God. Yeah, I'll do this. I'll do this. Was absolutely petrified. And they said, right, we'll send you a taxi. That'll arrive at five to seven in the morning. Oh, Oh boy. At ten to seven that morning, having just got up and thought, oh, God, this outfit's a bit flashy for radio. I got a call saying, would you come on television as you'll be in the building? Which is always a nice way. (laughs) You're here. You'll do. You're kicking about. We've got a seat to fill. Yeah. 
So, in for a penny, I did not only live radio, but a bit of live television, talking about the Labour Leadership Contest, of which I am apparently an expert. X being an unknown quantity and spurt being a drip under pressure. Exactly, exactly. For our foreign listeners, we are currently electing a party leader for the British Labour Party. So that was mad. That was crazy pants. And I thought, this this is great fun. Whoa, how has this happened? A week passes and I accidentally get kicked out of the Labour Party for eight hours, which leads <laughs> me to being invited on Channel 4, except I would have had to take a train to Glasgow and I literally just got off a train in Edinburgh. So no, thank you, sir. Uh, being on Radio 2 talking to Vanessa Phelps, being on BBC News 24 talking to I have no idea because I was in a remote studio in Scotland just looking dead down a camera, and then being the lead comment in Sunday's Observer newspaper, <sighs> which is great. I mean, hur- hooray, hooray for me. But also, what? I'm trying to be on holiday. <laughs> and also, I do have ME, so I would quite like to sit down. So that's kind of what I've been doing, accidental journalism. For the win. For the win. So, yeah, it was very funny, you know, at the end of last week's episode, I went, yeah, we'll be talking about this birthday party in Edinburgh. And those would have been huge things, but I've been accidentally doing other crazy things. Absurd. Absurd, I tell you, sir. This is why I need a Rosie and Jessica's Day of Fun t-shirt. Yes. do some subliminal messaging yeah thank you for asking me about that i've actually spoken at length about this on my podcast (laughs) thanks for talking to me about labor can i just give you my top five labor leadership contenders there are only four so i'll have to make something up i was a bit confused because although you're on the radio several times at no point did anyone ask you what your song was not once and they got really annoyed because i kept singing the jingles and apparently that's not how it's done in a professional radio well large jar (laughs) rudy roots Oh, Bake Off Chat. Ooh, Bake Off Chat. Well, we return to Bake Off Chat, and now I can finally talk about having seen the Biscuit episode before everybody else at Extra Slice. Of course. Far away. Yes, it was good, wasn't it? My favourite bit was when Matt, in the background of a shot, sort of went, and made a very (laughs) funny noise. And I'd completely forgotten that and laughed a lot. We will be talking about weeks two and three, Biscuits and Bread which probably won't be the name of the episode, but sounds like one. It could be. I mean, days not over yet. Uh, Yeah, so I saw the Biscuit one a few days in advance and found it surprisingly easy not to discuss uh, that Marie had gone home. And it was a bit of a shock because she'd been the first star baker and then crashed out rather quickly. I think in series three, or possibly two, there was a lady called Victoria who was the star baker in Cake Week and then just became very quiet and disappeared in sort of week three or four. But we've never had quite such a quick fall. So much so that I don't remember her at all. You could tell she was going to go, because even in the episode in which she became Star Baker, she was barely in the edit. She did a cake which was based on four and twenty blackbirds baked in a pie. And it was a cake which looked like a pie with a blackbird coming out. Yeah, and it was very very well done. She absolutely deserved to be Star Baker. But to the series we're actually watching, yes, Marie went out having had a bit of a biscuity nightmare. It's just things kept going wrong. In fact, with all of the episodes, it's not been so much as someone's had a complete disaster and it's all gone really miserably. It's just been collectively not great. Yeah, just lots of minor issues. Yeah, because if you look at the people who have had actual disasters, it's been um, Durette in week one and Alvin's biscuit box not being put together in the biscuit week. Now, I thought it was unfair 
that they called Durrett out on using frog cutters. Yeah, I did. I didn't have a problem with that. Well, because they're home bakers. As I said in the previous episode, we're straying away from things that people can do at home. If you're at home and you're making a frog-shaped biscuit, you're going to go and buy a frog-shaped cutter. Yeah, I suppose the only, the only thing could have been if she'd cut out a bit of like a pe- paper template or something and then cut round it with a knife for each individual and one. And then iced on the details, I suppose. Or if she'd actually made... Like sometimes, sometimes people turn up with like little gadgets that they've like whittled in the shed or something. If she turned up with one of those, no one would have blinked an eyelid to think, "Oh, Mum actually made this point." If her husband had made her a frog-shaped cutter, they've gone, "Oh, how charming! You've made this. How wonderful!" Whereas because she had, because she'd bought it, they're like, "That's cheating." Hmm. Oh, not really, is it? And also, I thought her idea for the box of biscuits was the best because it was a box of frogs. Mad as a box of frogs. Hers was the only one that directly made sense. Like the contents was linked to the box. Like it yeah, was... because given there was somebody who was doing a fire truck full of tea bags. I did get that because he is a fireman and they drink a lot of tea. But her whole thing was like a coherent. Mm. Here is a thing with you know. I thought that was yes. cool. Last week we had bread week. And Durette went home. And I thought that Tamal's bicycle was impeccable. That was amazing. Because previously we've had Bake Off James, my favourite. He had made a pastry bicycle Oh yeah, he had in series three. But this was even more impressive because it stood up yeah. on Chelsea Bun Wheels. They were disbelieving as well. Paul Hill was like, is it going to stand up? He went, I hope so. And, mm. and it totally did. And it did. It so suck it. it. What I liked was Alvin made a bakery's worth of bread. <laughs> he was making a cornucopia, so I suppose it made sense. But he is having a tricky few weeks. I don't know how much longer he'll stay in. Yeah, I think his baking is actually good, but he just he he sort of gets have an issue with each. Yeah, and then something stressful happens for him, and then it's mm. yeah, yeah. They sent Dorette home because her bread sculpture was not particularly sculptural but again i thought i i mean it, it was like lacking slightly in the uh interest of the others but i thought it was the most clever idea because it asked for a bread sculpture so she'd done a sculpture made of like a known sculpture mm. it was hers was an actual artwork presented in bread form you can't really get through bread week without discussing paul's lion face no which was unbelievable he's somebody who goes from being absolutely dreadful and you think well Paul's going home to he'll come first in this week's technical oh then he'll suddenly pull out this incredible bread face of a lion marvellous when it was sort of happening you're like oh I'm not, I'm not sure about this and it came out of the oven and he stood it all up and it had like the grass behind it it's like oh that's actually brilliant and Ian has he's had two star bakers in these episodes and we know that he's got a third what do you think of that I think it's getting a little boring yeah someone else's turn I think I think Tamal could easily have got it this week or the week before, but we'll yeah. come to... Um, so that's Bake Off Chat. Ooh, Bake Off Chat. Bake Off Chat. Jessica, what's your song? My song is I Only Want to Be With You by Dusty Springfield, which I don't think I've had before. I don't think so. That's a lovely song. It is, isn't it? Going Back by Dusty Springfield is another song that makes me cry. Yes, that's... yeah. Just thinking about Dusty Springfield now. I downloaded Song of a Preacher Man, the sheet music, onto my sheet music app. Rubbish at it, but it's good fun. <laughs> well, you know, you tried. Top fives! Top fives. So, following on from Rosie's exploits, running around, writing the words, saying the words, saying the words and looking at people and stuff, listening to things, talking to things. We've gone for top five reporters slash journalists, but fictional ones, not real oh, ones. Oh, of course. Fictional ones, because that's, like, interesting and fun. I mean, I love Moira Stewart, but I don't think I can get that much material out of her. Uh, which is the one who is Angela Rippon? On uh, on Morecambe Wise. Lovely legs. Good lord. Uh, yeah. So Trevor McDonald's beautiful voice. <laughs> anyway, 
Jessica, you're up first with your top five journalists and reporters, brackets fictional, and we are betting on two or three crossovers. I think two or three. Hmm. I'm gonna play. It, hmm. I'm gonna play it safe and say two. I think two. Okay, cool. Let's see how it goes. Number one, I have the team of Dan Rydell and Casey McCall from Sports Night. Yes. They're the presenters of Sports Night, the fictional uh, show. But some of the producers should be mentioned as well because they are also, they, they kind of do the research and do the writing. So Jeremy and, uh, I've forgotten her name, so let's cut that bit out. <laughs> Jeremy and woman. Ah, somebody knows how Hollywood writes female characters. <laughs> Never mind, carry on. Never mind, carry on. Oh, we've talked about Sports Night quite a bit on the uh, podcast before. And uh, I really like it. Well, Sports Night was one of the shows I sold you on this incredibly self-indulgent topic. It, it was, yes. It's it's interesting from the point of view of kind of watching the, the inner workings of how a TV show is made or how live, live TV works. Uh, number two is Josie Geller, or Josie Grossy, as she's also known, from uh, Never Been Kissed, played by Drew Barrymore, uh, which is just, just a marvellous film. So she's a journalist who goes undercover at high school. This is the other show or film with which I convinced Jessica to do this topic. Yeah, she uh, she plays a 25-year-old copy editor for the Chicago Sun-Times who um, is somewhat against her will asked to uh, go undercover as a 17-year-old high school student uh, and write a sort of expose about, about the youth, about youth today, the, the kids of America, that sort of thing. Um, and with hilarious consequences, as I'm sure you can imagine. Well, I can because I've seen the film. I don't even have to imagine it. Well, good. Cool. Awesome. Number three, uh, Sarah Jane Smith. Oh, that's great. I didn't even... Oh, no. Yeah. That's brilliant. So Sarah Jane. Sarah Jane was, of course, uh, one of the Doctor Who assistants, companions. Companions? Assistants. What were they in those days? Compa- who knows? She was one of, the, one of the girls in the TARDIS. One of the most famous ones from the original run. One of the bestest. Yeah. And um, got her own spin-off show uh, and her own sidekicks. And uh, went around solving mysteries, fighting crime sort of aliens aliens alien crime saving the world really pretty much um, as a as a reporter number four brian denton from newsies yeah good i wrote that down as one of the ones i, I hoped you would have okay you can take that one off uh so he befriends the uh the newsboys and writes their story uh for the uh for the paper to get them get the get the issue out there get it is known. he bill pullman he's bill pullman but on some level aren't we all <laughs> Uh, he's king of New York. I'm still really disappointed that Newsies closed know. last year because we were like, let's go to New York and oh. see Newsies and didn't notice they closed 18 months ago. <laughs> I found that text that I sent you the other day. I was like, yeah, Newsies closed last year. So we're not going to see that then. Whoops, a doodle. And uh, number five, Clark number Kent five. and Lois Lane. Okay. Also another team. Yes. Superman and Lois Lane working for the Daily Planet. There's a great tweet I once saw that says, does Lois Lane ever put glasses on her dog and go oh wait this is an entirely new dog <laughs> i saw that that was funny do you have a particular incarnation because there is a correct answer to that question um obviously the new adventure of superman starring tv's dean kane and uh, terry hatcher what a ridiculous... i've forgotten tv's dean <laughs> what a ridiculous question uh <laughs> and the cape comes down on bbc2 and then sage and onion sage and onion the leprechauns from bbc's live and kicking they pop up and do some horrendously stereotypical Irish accents. Oh, won't you be watching Live and Kicking in ten minutes? I said they were horrible. That was bad, wasn't it? I've blocked that from my memory. Is it H.G. Wells keeps turning up? Yes. No. Yeah, the, yes, and with the time Tempest. machine. And then Tempest is the uh, the baddie. And Lex Luthor has a sort of shock of curly hair. But not once he falls off that skyscraper at the building at the end of uh, at the end of the first series. 
Is it the shock that get makes him bald, or does it all get blown off because the... he's falling so fast? Well, they all think he's dead, oh. but the blonde lady doctor saves him and keeps him in a basement somewhere, and then she's like cryogenically frozen him until he can a time at which he can be fixed or something, and then he unfreezes, and it's like, <gasps> oh my god, Lex Luthor was alive the whole time. So as a sort of unfreezing thing, you know, he has the he has the hibernation sickness, and then. Um, his hair starts to come out, so he gets furious and shaves it off from there That's on a in. Very detailed recollection. It's funny things you remember, isn't it? <laughs> Is it my top five now? Uh, yeah, yeah. You'll notice that all of mine are um, in my top five. There, all of them are the primary thing about them. Largely, is the fact that they're actually no, not really well. The fact that they're reporters is a is a big thing. It's not like something they also have to do, but it's mainly about like oh, their yeah. hobby of. Big, you know what, I think more, mine might be rubbish. Well, anyway. Allow me to uh, allow me Tell to me confirm that, that for you. So. <laughs> uh, number one, Lois Lane, obviously. And I'll say it now: this is the only crossover, meaning that we only had half. Half. We were half right. It's pretty good well. for us. Whoa! This is an entirely new job. New dog. One more. Can I say? <laughs> well, I could probably say that correctly, but never mind. I like Lois Lane. She's she's gutsy. I refuse to see the film, but she is played by Amy Adams in Man of Steel. Probably not in a fun Giselle that Giselle manner. Now we're all just thinking about that film. Number two, Danny Kincannon from The West Wing. Oh, of course, yeah. Who I love. It's the crackers, Danny, because somebody says CJ loves goldfish, so he buys her a fish. Yep, yep. And then the fish turns up always in a seasonal tableau in her bowl. And he's lovely, and it's nice, and I like Danny. Number two. two. No. Number three. Number three. Number three. (laughs) Counting. Rory Gilmore. Rory Gilmore. Yes. Brackets. Also Paris Geller. Also Paris Geller. In fact, I kind of wanted Paris Geller more, but she wasn't on my list of fictional journalists that I looked at. Notably for the um, episode where it, it all goes horribly, horribly wrong and Rory finds her locked in a tent sort of cabin that she's built in the newsroom that is entirely lined with newspaper and she's heating up soup in a can on a hot plate in a very ill-advised manner. I like at the end of Gilmore Girls where Rory Gilmore goes off to join the Obama campaign, especially as it took a while for it to come to the UK. So by the time it did, she's like, yeah, she's going to go and work with this senator called Barack Obama. We were like, whoa, that panned out well. Spoiler, guys. Spoiler, guys. He's actually president. So uh, (laughs) timing. Number Number four. Okay, so she's more of a pundit, but Lily Moskowitz from The Princess Diaries because she has her show Lily Tells It All or whatever, tells it like it is. And don't confuse it with Clarissa Explains It All. Yeah, it was that's very also different. A... Sabrina grows up to be a journalist, yeah, she according does. to the internet. Lily Moskovitz's public access show, where she does her talking. So I like her. I love the Prince stories. You probably read more. I've only read the first six or so, because yeah. I grew up. I had them on a list of stuff to do, finish reading Princess Diaries. Still haven't managed it. Number five. Number five. The team, board, cast. Everyone who works at the Ankmore Pork Times. Yes. William DeWord. Yes. The other one, Otto von Schriek, yep. my disc wealth crush. Yep. Vampires, what can I say? Those are mine, because I like Hank Moorpork, and I like that book. That's one of my favourite disc books of the sum that I have read. Ooh. Truth is what the book is called. Anyway. Honourable mentions. Honourable mentions. Honourable mentions. Aha! I have made that a jingle. Haha! You always tell me that's not a jingle. It's not a thing. <laughs> not a thing. Anyway, shall I go first? Yes. Okay. Do you want a back and forth? Yes. Tag team? I think, yes, we will. I think our first ones are probably the same. Is it April O'Neil? Uh, no. No. But yeah, was, that was my other one I was hoping you would say. She's got red hair. She wears a yellow jumpsuit with white boots. I mean, 
What a look. She looks like a sexy sanitation worker. She doesn't even look that sexy. (laughs) She has white boots on with a yellow jumpsuit. And a sensible ponytail. Kermit the Frog on Sesame Street. Yes, he is also on my list. Uh, Especially the ones where he's reporting from London and uh, he's in the fog. Yes. People get confused because it sounds like frog. He said fog. Hi-ho, everybody. It's Kermit the Frog. And he's wearing a trench coat and a little hat with, you know, press written on the side of it. Well, my next one is William DeWood, so we've covered that. Okay. Uh, My next one after that is Kermit, so we've covered that. And my next one after that is Rory Gilmore, so we've covered that. Rory did not make it onto my list because she is not uh, there as a journalist. She is there as a Gilmore girl. She happens to be a journalist. So then, finally, a new one, Robin Shabatsky. Yes. Although I view her more as a former pop star than I do a current news reporter. Well, of course. I mean, Robin Sparkles will, will be with us forever. I have J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah, very good. I debated that one. Always, always in the context of being played by... Yes. <laughs> Oscar winner <laughs> for his role in Whiplash. In Whiplash. It is, of course... I determined to remember it before actor... you get there. J.K. Simmons. <laughs> it's like, it's initials, and I think it's also a J. But no, now I'm just thinking J.J. and Jameson, and I'm confused. <laughs> yes. I think that is one of the best performances in any film I've ever seen. He's so good. Yeah, J. Jonah Jameson. Get, get me pictures of Spider-Man! And he's talking to Spider-Man. What a fool. He doesn't know. You can't say that. It's slander. No, it's not. It's written down. It's libel. <laughs> uh, yes. I'm assuming you've done the same thing. I haven't put down people like Peter Parker and Jimmy Olsen and stuff because although they're integral parts of the team they're not actually reporters they're photographers yeah so the internet was very keen to suggest them to me I was like they don't very meet, much so they don't meet the criteria they don't even really meet the criteria that you've outlined in your own article Wikipedia okay so you know. minor honourable mention for Joe Bradley from Roman Holiday again not really the major thing isn't the fact that he's a reporter but he has a lovely time wandering around with Audrey Hepburn on a, on a Vespa and then they accidentally start a fight on a boat and then she gets a haircut and so everyone has a lovely time Okay, well, I won't tell you. I won't say the next line because that would have been a massive spoiler. But it's a very charming film. Any more from you? Hildy Johnson, played by Rosalind Russell, from His Girl Friday. Yes, uh, I saw that one and I thought that would be good, but I haven't seen all of it, so I felt like she didn't quite make the list for me. Nice bit of screwball comedy for us all. You, Purd Hapley. I can't believe I didn't think of Purd. You yeah, heard with Purd <laughs> because I already thought I'm not going to do Joan Calamazzo. Yeah, because she's just a nightmare and gotcha. really more of a like a. She's more of a Richard and or Judy. Yes. Yeah, you heard with Purd, especially after our conversation last week. Brilliant. One more from me? Yep. Ron Burgundy. Yes. Yes. Stay classy, San Diego. Lanolin? Your name is Lanolin? That's that's all from me. And that's all from him. Topical, because they're newsreaders. I looked on the list of fictional journalists to jog my memory on Wikipedia. And at the bottom, there is a category called fictional professionals which is then in subcategories entertainers, medical, science, etc entertainers, the only four it lists are journalists actors, rappers and hypnotists because what we really need is a list of fictional hypnotists, (laughs) but not say fictional singers fictional writers, no no fictional hypnotists I'm determined to think of a fictional hypnotist Ming from uh Big kids. That thing with Imogen Stubbs where they were hypnotised. Yeah. Does Job Bluth do hypnotism or is he just a magician? No, he just does illusions. Shall I do my song? I think that would be best, yes. Fun fact. Mine is from my Spotify Discover Weekly playlist. I was determined not to pick one from that list this week because I've done like the last couple. I've never heard any other music. Uh, Let's not hold that against you. This is a song called Keep Your Lips Sealed 
by the deer. It's an O with a slash through it. Yeah. The do, but I think it's yeah. deer. And it's called Keep Your Lips Sealed, and it's really good. Snack of the day. What is your snack of the day? Snack of the day. This doesn't scan any more of the day. Fortune cookies, because you get something to eat and something to read at the same time. Oh, I like it very much. Yeah, it's like a multi-platform experience. Thingy. Yeah, experience. That's probably better than thingy, which is what I went for. Do you know what? There are many words, Jessica. Needle and fed! Needle and fed. I'm now doing so much needle and or fed that I have to go back and listen to the previous episode to find out what I've done. It was so much easier when I just said, oh, I've not done that cardigan. But now I've done that cardigan. It's done. It's happened. The button's arrived. I finished. It's been worn and everything. Yeah. I wore it once. I've thrown it away like I do with all my clothes. <laughs> uh... It's blocked, buttoned, worn, in a drawer. Fantastic. So we will hear no more of these Amity Fools cardigans. <laughs> Is it blocked, buttoned and bewildered? Yes. Very good. Thank you. Blocked, buttoned and delivered. It's yours. And I was waiting for a Derrimore's order to arrive and it has come. So I had the Cascadians ecological wool arrived. My dad and I unskeined that and turned it into an enormous, an enormous ball of wool. That took an age, and I've now nearly finished that first ball of wool, which means I have to do the other one. And I haven't quite got myself to buying a ball winder yet. You can either get them for ten pounds on Amazon and they look really Shonky. breakable, or thirty-five pounds on Derrimore's. I would like to pay somewhere in between that. Mm, for a ball right, winder yep, I, I can't that's a big disparity either £10 or £35 but I've not bought one yet so I've cast on owls I have done the main body I'm about two thirds of the way through one sleeve and I have to say it's a little boring right. because it's just a big tube and I know that I like knitting things that just knit but there's a point where you're like I thought there were going to be owls <laughs> and actually there's almost no excitement for quite a lot of it so I've got to knit the sleeve, knit the other sleeve. Yeah, so I've finished Rigby's Monkster's sweater. That only you took two Monkster days. or Munster? Munster. Right. Uh, as in the word monkey with stir on the oh, end. Oh, I see. Not as in, like, he's dressed oh, like Eddie Munster. Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like a monk. I think I had just cast this on last time we recorded. Um, and this is a, another jumper I've made for Rigby the Bear. It's called Yes, Monkster's Sweater. And it used a bit of the Aaron I used on his last jumper and some more of the West Yorkshire spinners. And I've made him a stripy jumper. That's all done. And that is a bottom-up raglan construction. And that I found a bit confusing when you suddenly have to join the arms to the body. And that's what I'll have to do on owls as well. Well, at least you got the chance to practice on half scale. Yes, very much so. We went to Nest, as we said. Yes. Which is a yarn shop in North London. And I bought a ball of Debbie Bliss Rialto lace to go with the Scheherazade shawl that I mentioned last episode to pad it out a bit and do the big size. So that's good, but it's kind of very much on hold at the moment. I have finally cast on my Debbie Bliss Blue Face Lesser DK pattern book, uh, Aaron Tunic. Hooray! Or as it's usually described, that Charles Tunic that I saw at the Knitting and Stitching show. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, two years ago. Oh, you know, just why not? It's underway. I've done the first... So I've started the ribbing for the back panel. It's a six-row repeat. I was like, yeah, I've done these six rows. What's next? Looked at the size I was doing. Said, repeat, previous six rows, nine more times. Oh, oh God. Boy. Oh, God. I should remember to take a cable needle to work because I've been using a Kirby grip and that's not as efficient. Oh, my goodness. No, that will not do. I should find my cable needle. I've got seven. Oh. 
Maybe I've got some of yours. No, no. I accidentally, when I bought yours, I, I picked up two packs because I've got one for you, one for me, and then discovered that one of them was straight cable. Who wants straight cable needles? Yeah, what's the point of that? That's just like a bit of stick. Yeah, you might as well use a twig. That's not going to hold the stitches on. Like, what's no. to stop it sliding out? You know, it's quite often, like, these are on one stitch, so it's going to fall. It's a little bit slow going. <laughs> I haven't counted how many repeats are in each row, or, you know, width sort of width-wise, but it's, it's well into the teens with two cables in each repeat. But it's going to look cool. Oh, it sounds excellent. I presume you're using the largest size because it's a child's tunic. Yes, that is correct. I took to Edinburgh my first ever sock. I am knitting Wise Hilda's basic ribbed sock. Oh, that takes a long time. <laughs> well, you have to knit. I can't remember how many inches. I was like, must be nearly there now to start doing the heel. No, no, no. I've got a long way to go. But it's very sock. simple. One of the trainer ones. Yeah. While I was in Edinburgh, I visited the Ginger Twist studio as I like to visit a local yarn shop everywhere I go. And it is absolutely delightful. It's the smallest shop I've ever been in. It's basically a little cupboard. And it's full of a lovely, lovely hand-dyed yarn. Some non-hand-dyed yarn as well. It's run by a lady who was wearing the coolest dress and cat-eye glasses I've ever seen. I'd like her to be my best friend. And I bought some of their Ginger's hand-dyed Swell You Sock in the colour Tink. That is sort of a sock weight four-ply uh, I don't think I'm going to turn it into socks because it's way too nice to be turned into socks. So oh, I think I'll probably enough. find a sock weight shawl. I've got a lot of shawls in my favourites at the moment. I've become a shawl person. But I don't know if I actually wear shawls. So maybe yeah, I should knit too. one and then see. But I really like knitting them and I love doing lace. Um, so hey, maybe everyone can have a knit lace weight shawl or a fingering weight shawl. Yeah, Shawls for everyone. Shawls for all. That's how for now. You heard with purred. I don't have a rhyme, but I want to tell people to visit their local yarn shops and support them. So, lots of needle and uh, not very much fed, but I did make another chocolate you courgette covered, cake. You covered the uh, courgette cake catastrophe Oh boy! in the previous segment. So maybe let's not do that again. What, what have we seen this week? What have we seen this week? Oi. Oi. Again, not looking at the camera when we sing. I have some cabot coverage. I have some oh, cabot coverage. What is it? Via beloved friend of the show and murder she wrote aficionado jess creator of salem of the day she sent to me a murder she wrote drinking game i read that it was hysterical also i was really drunk by the time i got to the end of it <laughs> yeah i mean you're meant to do it when you watch this oh, show i just did just it as drink. i read the list that's where i went wrong jessica fletcher trapped inside a sauna drink jessica fletcher uses the word shenanigans drink Jessica Fletcher uses clam dip as a curse word. Drink. Freeze frame hug at the end. Drink. When we have day of fun con. Week of fun. Not day of funk on. Do do when playing funk music on and on. When we have some kind of convention. Week of fun. We will definitely have a murder she wrote marathon. Great funk, Jessica. Thank you. I was doing the face. Last week we discussed briefly Wet Hot American Summer because we were talking about camping and summer camp movies and summer movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but I had, at this point, not yet watched the film. No, I had not watched it either. I've now not only seen the film, but all of the series as well. <laughs> wow. It's really enjoyable. I take it you liked it, yeah. I did. Um, and I strongly recommend definitely the film. The series is good as well, but definitely the film. It's good in its way of pastiche, because it's not really pastiche. It kind of sums up the feeling of that sort of film, but it doesn't directly anything particular from... A specific film so you don't like watch and go oh yeah that they do that in dirty dancing so i recommend it 
but the actual what have we seen this week, what have we seen this week bit leads into something that I actually meant to be in last week's, but I forgot. Someone has come up with a game on slash quiz on the Tinterwebs where you have to uh, guess which Rudd is older. So they have pictures <laughs> of Paul Rudd, who wow. as everyone knows has looked 36 for the last 20 years. Yes. And they basically are given two pictures of Paul Rudd and you have to select in which picture he is older. So it's literally it's just a cut out of his, of his head. Um, and some of them they've kind of matched. So it will be like two pictures of Paul Rudd wearing, wearing big glasses, two pictures of Paul Rudd in a hat, two pictures of Paul Rudd with a beard. And some of the pictures are sort of 14 years apart. Some of the pictures are like four years apart. Some of them are in between. But it's, it makes it doesn't make it any easier when the when the age gap is is uh, larger. It's, it's quite tricky. Are they from films? No, they're just they're sort of just pictures oh, of that's him. That's fair. This is really hard. I'm doing it now. Obviously, you can kind of tell by the quality of the photography in some of them. Yes. <laughs> You're definitely the older one. Yeah, by six years. This is brilliant radio. You're very dead behind the eyes in this picture. I think you're the older Rudd. No! See? He was young it's and dead really behind the tricky. eyes. Oh my god, this is basically the same picture. Have you seen how every t- every time he goes on Conan O'Brien, he says he's going to play a clip from whatever movie he's promoting, and instead he always plays exactly the same clip from the E.T. ripoff Mac and Me, where a boy in a wheelchair goes over a ravine. <laughs> no. It's incredible. And there's a, a compilation of all of them. And he's been doing it for about 10 years. <laughs> so every time he goes on Conan, he says, and now he says, I'm not going to do it. The studio have got really annoyed. They said, you're not going to do the Mac and Me thing. So here's the clip. And Mac and Me starts playing. <laughs> and then he says, oh, I'm sorry, I'm being silly. I'll show it now. And then they show Mac and Me again. And it's always the same one. <laughs> and he just wow. sits there, not laughing. Just, like, yep, that's our clip. Yep. It's a really fun movie to make. <laughs> Okay, I've got one more. Rosie is still playing. Which is, yes. Which Rod is older? I got 10 out of 17. It's not great. I think I got... I can't remember. I think I scored slightly higher than that, but still, you know, I didn't get them all right. Well, how could you? He's ageless. You can't, because he clearly there is a picture of him in the attic. Well, I saw a thing on BuzzFeed that was like, oh, guess what happened at the VMAs 20 years ago? And one of the last ones was, Kevin Bacon turned up looking exactly the same as Kevin Bacon turns up looking today. <laughs> and he was, he was even dressed in a manner that he could get away with today. We've been recommending pieces from The Toast an awful lot recently, but that's because their content is A+. Yes, I saw a really good one on, on the other day, and I don't know if you're about to say it, but I will have to find it because it's hysterical. Talk about it. Toast. Well, this Go. is a piece of a League of Their Own-inspired think pieces. Oh my god, I didn't see this. This is headlines that you might find on think pieces, sort of worthy articles on the web, uh, inspired by a League of Their Own, such as... Why there should actually be more crying in baseball. Does the character of Stillwell encourage childhood obesity? Yes, it is okay to laugh at Doris's jokes knowing Rosie O'Donnell is a 9-11 truther. That problematic pissing scene. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's true, they can't start without a lineup. Like, they're going to have to wait for them. I read a lot of the AV Club, which is a kind of pop culture website, reviewing movies, TVs, books, etc. TVs. Not the programming, the actual TV, no, the programming. And they have a, a series called AV Q&A where they get their staff and readers to answer questions. And one of the questions was, uh, uh, what are the funniest five minutes of a movie, TV or book that always make you laugh? And it's quite good. In fact, Wet Hot American Summer is featured. It's a bit where apparently Paul Rudd is trying to clean up a plate. Oh my God, it's hysterical. I was scrolling through and it was all pretty funny. And then towards the end, in fact, almost exactly the last two ones are two that are 
so perfectly, I think, if you asked us this question, what our answer would be. So somebody recommends the Time After Time dance sequence from Romeo and Michelle's <laughs> High School Reunion, which, having sat next to Jessica watching it in the cinema, I can confirm <laughs> yes, she thinks it's the funniest thing ever seen. <laughs> I'm laughing now, and I'm not even watching it. I cried, Rosie. The tears are dripping off my chin. I didn't know what to do with myself. I just rocked. <laughs> it was very funny. And then immediately after that, somebody suggests... <laughs> Sorry. The first five minutes of the Office episode, Stress Relief Part 1, <laughs> which I have often quoted as my favourite bit, which is where Dwight throws a fake fire drill. <laughs> and this person identifies exactly the bit which is the best bit, which is where Angela <laughs> reaches into her filing cabinet and removes a cat that she's hiding in the cabinet. <laughs> and there's a empty ceiling tile... And she throws the cat up through the ceiling tile to save it. Except then several meters along in the ceiling, the cat crashes back through to the floor and everyone's running around. Stanley has a heart attack. Save Bandit! So those two are... Oh boy. <laughs> that Q&A, it's, it's good fun if you want some recommendations, but I just thought it, it spoke very much to the Rosie and Jessica seam of laughter which is a new feature along with portion control and some things about yogurt uh the toast article that i found was every painting in western art history where the subject is clearly thinking oh christ i've left the iron on <laughs> excellent yeah it's prefaced by the clip from a little bit of fry and Laurie, where the uh stephen fry dresses a woman is asked a quite complicated sort of and what do you think on this matter madam mm. kind of vox pop thing in, inhales to answer and just says, oh, Christ, I've left the iron on and runs away, uh, which is always entertaining. The next time we speak to you, we will be doing our pre-America flight checks. We may not actually do a show because we might just be going, oh, oh, I haven't got... Have you done that? Have you packed oh, no. the... Th- oh, hang on, I'll be back. Oh, boy. And I'll, also, I will be spending the whole time doing a whole video for Rosie of like stuff that I've just like randomly found in shops. Going, oh my gosh, we should take this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's actually cheaper to buy things in the US. So don't do that. Obviously, and also means we don't have to carry things in our suitcases. What I'm going to do is go to the US, buy all the clothes on H&M on the cheap, and then burn them at the airport so I don't take them. <laughs> uh, or do the classic, take all your old horrible clothes <laughs> and then bin them before you leave. We've all put shoes in bins at Edinburgh Waverley. How many times? <laughs> uh, I seriously have a pair of shoes that that might happen to. Mm. Delicious holiday bin shoes. Haven't decided. It depends if... I mean, it may get to the end of next week and I decide that actually they can't They can't go. They've reached... They've peaked. Uh, they peaked about three months ago. Anyway. Okay. So this well, has been lovely. I'm glad. Oh my God. I, I can see a book on a shelf and I can't see any of the spine, but the only word I can see on the spine... Is Keegan. Oh. My. Greyhounds. Sound the Keegan alarms. To find out more and to read show notes for this and past episodes, you can visit our website at rosieandjessica.co.uk. You can email us at hello at rosieandjessica.co.uk. And you can follow us on Twitter at The Day of Fun Show. Don't forget you can find all of our archives and leave reviews and ratings on iTunes. See you soon.